Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome to the show this week. Got some great stuff for you. We're going to be doing the news here in a little bit. And after that, we have two great interviews. One that I'm not going to tell you about yet, but it's something Steve has brought. And the other one talks about the history of Star Wars and the mythology dealing with a movie theater in the Portland, Oregon area where it ran for over a year. And most of this is true, and it's going to be interesting. Somebody was there. So stay tuned with us. We have a great show for you this week. And with no further ado, let's move to the news. Today's news is brought to you by Cedar and Stone in Old Town Sherwood. Come see us for all your gift needs, as well as indoor plants and home decor. So what is in the news? BMW to charge extra for safety features. Yeah, and we've this has evidently been going on for two years, although it just got published. So we've been talking about the idea of over-the-air updates. And car companies in general, we're picking on BMW today, but car companies in general have been moving to try to make the cab of your car like your cell phone. And what I mean by that is where you buy applications and different things. And one of the ideas that was put forward is that the manufacturers would actually include every available feature in all of their cars. And if you wanted to use something, you would essentially buy a subscription to it. But where this takes a step further, whatever you may think about that being good or not good, is this idea that one of the features that BMW is selling to unlock is so that your high beam headlights don't blind the person in front of you. And when I had a Beamer, it had self-leveling headlights. Uh, it was not a feature I had to pay extra for, but when you were driving, the idea is that they were so bright that they would be able to move and not hit the mirror of the person in front of you. And if you've ever been driving at night and had it where it's like a flash, that's what that is, a self-leveling headlights. Except now, they want you to pay extra for these features which that is obviously a safety feature. I don't know. What do you guys think about stuff like that? I think it's cruddy. I think it's stupid. I'm I'm against subscribing for features to my car. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I'm sorry. A somewhat negative reaction here. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you would be correct because it's like, you know, I want to buy something that it's mine and that I can enjoy it and focus on enjoying it and not worry about being nickeled and dimed to death. Yeah, the two the two schools of thought here are the idea that what you just said from a person, if you're buying a car, you know, Tesla had a little bit of controversy doing this where the auto drive function would be disabled if you bought the car used. The problem is it didn't get disabled until after the second person bought their car. And then all of a sudden they're told you have to pay thousands of dollars to turn this feature back on because you didn't pay for it originally. And the idea from the car manufacturers so that they can continue to make money off of it. Now, the one positive thing I would say about this type of thing is, but most of the audience knows, last year I ran into a huge problem with trying to buy a new car, and it was out of date, and the features were missing, didn't work, all this kind of stuff. And if you had this type of situation, you could conceivably turn stuff on that the original owner didn't want. But it seems like when you apply that to safety features, it's taking it a step too far. The Louvre Museum makes its entire collection available online. And one of the things about COVID is they say it's pushed everything ahead five years or so. Yep. And mm -hmm. we're seeing that kind of across the board here. And this is one of those things. A lot of museums are doing this. The Louvre being the latest one to announce it. 
where you can go to their website and be able to take a virtual tour of the museum and see everything that's in there. And what's really cool about this is not only does it allow you still to have access to their holdings while they're closed for safety and we're working through all of this, but the Louvre, of course, is in Paris, France, and a lot of people can't get there. So you are able to actually see what they have through the internet. That's awesome. So it just (laughs) seems kind of cool for accessibility and making a lot of these things available. It's one of the reasons why our money in the United States is as beautiful as it is in many ways is because you couldn't share art, so they put it on the bills and figured people would be able to see it that way. Same same idea. New version of it, but same idea. (laughs) AT&T lobbies against nationwide fiber? Yeah, Why would they do that? Well, I had to take a look at this a couple of times. And what (laughs) it is, uh, uh, they're saying that lower speed networks are good enough, about 10 megabit. And it is interesting to think about this. What this actually relates to is that they're trying to bring broadband to a lot of rural areas that don't currently have it. And this is something that's been going on for a while. But what AT&T is saying is, well, we don't really need that high of a speed. Fiber to the home deployment in rural areas doesn't make sense. So it's fine if we only provide 10 megabits per second. Um, I, I don't know what to think about that. I mean, you know, from both standpoints, it would be a lot more difficult if you were somewhere that you couldn't get internet access. We've all dealt with or dealt with this in the past. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember the day, this was years ago now, but the day we were able to turn the DSL on, it felt like just this massive high-speed <laughs> thing, you know? And uh, It was. And that was after dealing with dial-up. Now, one of the other things that's interesting with this, too, is I think, and this is where this is going to play out, is with 5G and with all the new satellite broadband that's going up and all these different type of things, there's going to be options, even if you're not in the main area in a town. And that'll provide some competition for this. AT&T is basically saying to provide these speeds overbuilds the network, and it's not economically viable. Satellites, are, <laughs> I know this so so dumb. Satellites are causing light pollution. Yeah, speaking of such things, they have been launching lots of satellites, like lots of them. Yep. And all over the world now, the sky is about ten percent brighter than it was before this, and it's going to continue. I thought to get that worse. was the moon. <laughs> Uh, it was at one time, but <laughs> no, 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 but, no. Now we got a lot of a lot of reflective objects in the in their orbit. I'll have to go outside and look. <laughs> and there's there's two arguments from this, but anybody that has telescopes and likes to do stargazing and stuff is now seeing satellites. This was mm. complained about oh middle to end of last year with uh, a lot of the stuff that Elon Musk has been shooting up with SpaceX and that type of thing. But he's not alone in this. So they were going to try, I'm doing the air quotes, to come up with a way to darken the satellites. Uh, At least that's the statement that was made. However, it doesn't seem like anything's happened to continue that. But uh, it is definitely light pollution has been a problem for a while, but at least you could go out to an area that was dark, and now this is starting to be a worldwide thing. You big... (laughs) I knew I was going to have a hard time saying that word. Ubiquity Networks discloses data breach. Hey, you got it. You got it right. It looks a little weird. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) so this may not be a company that you've heard of. No, I haven't. And um, it would make a lot of sense because while we have all of our, you know, Amazons and Microsofts of the world, there's many, many more companies that do a lot of the technological development that we use that are licensed and used in different things. And Ubiquity Networks is an Internet of Things company. 
that produces a number of different devices that are in, in different things that you have that work with smart homes and smart cameras and smart, you know, whatever the case may be. And they were hosting their technology on Amazon Web Services and are saying that basically one of their databases, hackers were able to get full read-write access to it. Now, as an Amazon developer, that means that they didn't have it set up right, probably. And Mm -hmm. as a result, a lot of personal information was able to get out. They were looking at uh, cryptographic secrets for different things to gain control of devices. And this is one thing, if you have technology that uses this, you've probably received a letter from them by now prompting you to change your password. And again, the thing of it is, is this could be devices that work with other things. So it isn't necessarily under the name Ubiquity, which makes it even more confusing. But the best thing and what we've talked about in the past when dealing with this kind of stuff kind of plays out here, keep an eye on your accounts, keep an eye on your things. And if anything unusual seems to be going on, then do go ahead and you know change the password on whatever service that may be. And if you have smart things and security cameras and all that kind of thing, you might want to think about looking at the passwords on those devices. PayPal to let users pay with cryptocurrency. Yep. This is rolling out this week in the United (laughs) States, and uh, they're doing uh, Bitcoin and a couple of others. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. We knew this was coming up. We knew it was something that PayPal was putting together, but now it's here. And we're starting to see the use of cryptocurrency, which again, isn't backed by anything. Yep, it's all over the place. And the amount of Bitcoin is worth is $60,000 plus. It's bouncing all around. So this is a very interesting thing to see where this is going to end up. I understand that fast food restaurants, so one of them in particular, is giving cryptocurrency back as a promotional thing. So you do see it, (laughs) and you're starting to see it a lot more. And, Mm. uh, you know, wherever that ends up, I don't know. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We've got a great show for you this week. Got a couple of interviews coming up. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Send us your questions and your comments. That's how we set up our programming. One user friendly on Facebook, one user friendly on Twitter, or userfriendlynation.com. Joining us now is guest Bradley Weston. Brad, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much, Bill. Now, a little bit of background here. Before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about this. And movie theaters and Oregon and kind of the mythology of it, and a 72-week Star Wars run. Now, Brad, what do you know about this? Well, I was there when it happened, or I should say a little bit afterwards, uh, knowing nothing as a small kid other than the wonderment of having Star Wars on an absolutely massive screen. I was lucky enough to live close to uh, the Westgate Theater in Beaverton, Oregon one of the premier Oregon theaters uh, with one of the largest screens. And so through the summer of 77, as an 11-year-old, I was able to enjoy with my friends Star Wars over and over again. But what we could not understand was how Star Wars would stick around when other movies, such as Close Encounters of the Third Kind, would come and go so quickly. Right. And I ended up finding out 
afterwards that uh, for some odd reason, the uh, theater chain, Luxury Theaters, signed a very interesting contract with 20th Century Fox, which stated that as long as the film, Star Wars, made $5,000 a week at the Westgate Cinema's number one screen, it would stay. And so, so it stayed and stayed and stayed. Now, my understanding is this is one of the longest runs, if not the longest run, for a first-run movie in a theater. It is indeed, and where Star Wars was concerned, it was absolutely the longest run. It ended up being an exclusive nationwide after quite a while, at which point people would actually organize tours to come to Portland just to go to the Westgate and see Star Wars when they couldn't see it anywhere else. Yeah, no, that's absolutely amazing. And I'm sure I could only imagine the lines and the different things that were going on. Now, the Westgate Theater, I know, closed in 2005. I was in it once, but I did not see it during its heyday. So tell us a little bit about the theater when it was at its prime. In its prime, it had three screens, a large, medium, and small screen. The large screen was over a 1,000 seats, as I recollect. Uh, beautifully spaced out, and it had a beautiful curtain that would open and close at the beginning and end of the showing. And it had an excellent, for the time, six-track Dolby surround sound system installed, brand new, just introduced with Star Wars. Now, so what it was a rather incredible experience. One of the things I know with the Star Wars movie, the first one, was pushing the technology, as it has done every time. And in mm -hmm. that era, Dolby surround sound, this was actually a new thing to have surround sound. That is, that is correct. It was introduced with Star Wars. Dolby stereo had been introduced around this time for other features, but not surround. Right. And stereo had been around as early as uh, 1954 with 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And actually, uh, multi-channel sound had been around as long as uh, Fantasia in 1940. Okay, so you, ha you had that going back a while, but not in this way. This was a new thing, new movie. Oh, yeah. And a movie that ran for well over a year, you know, that many weeks. It, it was there for mm -hmm. a long time. Now, another question I have for you, and this is something else we were talking about, is when you would have seen the original Star Wars, you would have seen the original Star Wars. You can't get it now. That is correct. Everything's been modified. Mm -hmm. What are your feelings on that? Well, it's hard to explain unless you've seen it. And as, of course, things go, as uh, special effects get better, uh, the bar is raised and things become more and more extraordinary. I will use that uh, phrase uh, lightly, so to speak. But it, they aim the bar so high at knocking you out of the park that sometimes it just overwhelms everything else. And as much as the special effects in 1977 were overwhelming then, they would not be so now. They would be on the grade of something somebody would whip up at home with models and such using a GoPro. But back then, they were absolutely amazing. And because of it, they ended up winning seven Academy Awards for that film. It just goes to show how the technology goes. I We had a guest on the show a while back, Crick Killen, who worked on the special effects for the original Star Wars films, and he was talking a little bit about this, how it was done with models and camera engineering and all that kind of stuff, and everything now that you would do on the computer 
you had to physically build and physically do and actually make a way to make it look real. It's amazing yep. how much that's changed, you know? It certainly is. And I don't necessarily mean for the worse. I am not a uh, person who looks back on absolutely everything and says, oh, it was all better back then. But if you do not have a balanced story, script, and good direction to go along with it, then all the special effects in the world turn into nothing more than a light show that you forget a few minutes later. Yeah, well, it would seem like the story, even on the most modern movie with the most modern technology, is still kind of the focus. At least it should be, in my opinion, for whatever that's worth. But, uh, okay, so if someone wanted to see the original version of Star Wars, is there a way to do it? Uh, only if you have retrograde technology. As okay. most everybody now knows, you have DVD and Blu-ray. And before uh, DVD and Blu-ray, the best possible picture available and medium available was known as laser discs. Large discs that looked like oversized DVDs, about the size of an old record. And the last time Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi were issued in their original forms, was on that medium in widescreen. Okay, so laser disc and that's laser about clear. Yep. Okay, you know, I and I did a little check in. You actually can still get this technology. You have to buy it used, but it is available through sites like eBay online and other places. So definitely something to wor worth checking out. I think it might be a little harder to get the discs and the player. Bradley, thank you so much. That's our time for you today. This is user friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. This is the section of the show where we answer your questions. And this week we've had a, you know, a number of questions that have come in, uh, not all at once, but about these topics. And it has to do with bathroom technology. And I'll explain what I mean by that in a minute here. And like anything else in the house, there's a lot of gadgets out there that you can use. And I don't know, some of these seem like they're more important than others. We're going to start with the first one, which is a Chroma Therapy Shower. Now, you may have heard of aromatherapy. Yes. This yeah. One, this one uses color therapy. So oh, there's LEDs okay. in the shower and the bathtub, and they ro rotate between different color shades. I don't know. Do you ha. think that's important? No. I don't think it's important, <laughs> though. I guess it might be nice. I mean, it, it has the potential to make people feel better based on the color of light. I know that does work for some people, so, you know. Well, it actually, it, it actually is a science because, mm -hmm. like, they'll use warm colors for restaurants and yeah. kitchens, and there are some colors like Pepto-Bismol pink that you don't want to use because it'll make you irritable. Yeah. yeah. I know that makes sense. And they say they balance your energy by bathing you in calm or invigorating light. That's from the manufacturer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Extra energized after your shower. So, so is it actually in the shower? Is it a light bulb? What exactly is it? It looks mm -hmm. like it's built into the shower head. Yeah. Oh. And, so uh, the light, the water coming out of the shower head changes color. Yeah. Oh, well, so, that's kind of different. I mean, it <laughs> like, like it's kind of cool. And, uh, you know. Yeah. It might be neat to look at. <laughs> All right. Now, here's one that might make a little more sense. Uh, shower speaker. And this isn't exactly sure. new to, yeah, new technology. I can talk today, yes. It is a <laughs> technology that's been around with radios and stuff, but now it's Bluetooth. 
So you would stream from your phone or your smart speaker, and uh, it hangs in there. I don't know. What do you think of that? Would you like a shower speaker? It's not necessary for me because we have a we bring our phone in and play music on the phone. Yeah, just, you know, just turn it up really loud. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, if it was a thing and you had to have quiet for other rooms around the bathroom, maybe your speaker in the shower would be better. Now, this next item is something that I definitely think I need, and it's a towel warming drawer. I've seen those. And you put your towel in it so it's warm when you get out of the shower. Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't believe that's entirely necessary or <laughs> or the the warming towel rack that, plug, that you know, you bolt onto the wall and plug yeah. in. Now, yeah. I, I, I think it would be more useful to make sure that your towels got dried after you um, took shower because I don't like the damp, mildewy smell. And if you live in like a humid climate, yeah. sometimes the towels don't dry very fast. So maybe a, a device that, you know, like blow dries your towels after you're done. Yeah, no, something like that would be cool. And I, mean, I think this might be nice and warm, actually. So uh, yeah, I might have to check that. I think the manufacturer should send us one to try out on the show so we can review it. All right. Sure. Now, the other item in your bathroom, of course, is your toilet. And there's a lot of features being offered for that, too. And We've talked about smart toilets in the past here, but for about $7,000, you can get features like automatic flushing, auto opening and closing lid, a heated seat, a nightlight, a self-cleaning bowl, and a remote control. I'm not sure what that would do, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I can see the remote control being used as a prank. Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine brothers and sisters fighting with each other yes. with the remote going, ha ha. Bob's in the shower, flush the toilet. Yeah. So, you know, you, and you can't get in there, so you have the remote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the one real thing on this kind of stuff is these type of toilets do tend to use less water. Uh, It's about 20% less than conventional. So there are some things like that that are features that actually would kind of make sense. But Mm -hmm. uh, some of the rest of this, I know, and it goes on from here, too. There was a full setup at the Consumer Electronics Show last year with these type of things where the whole bottom of the rim lit up and you had music, you had (laughs) smart speaker capability, Bluetooth. I'm not sure why you would need all that, but it is available. (laughs) That's really (laughs) strange. (laughs) All right. How about a smart scale? It connects to your smart watch. So when you weigh yourself, it documents it and you can keep a log. Yeah, you can do that. You can do that with paper, you know, hey, whatever. Well, you can do a lot of stuff with paper, but this is about (laughs) not. uh, And the question there is, do you? Because I don't think I would. And, you know, it'd be a pain. The paper would get Yes, I do. I actually do keep track of my weight. Yeah. And it's just, you know. But this Uh. will do it for you without needing to write it down. And it's automatic. Mm. Okay. Track your body mass index, body fat, your weight, of course, and all that right to your phone or tablet. Yay. As long as there's no no, uh, Wi-Fi leaks, you're fine. Yeah. And there you are. How about a sensor mirror? This is going to cost you about 8500 bucks. replaces the mirror in your bathroom, and you can watch videos right in the mirror, and the screen disappears. I thought, <laughs> I thought maybe you could ask it questions. I think you probably can. It looks like it has that feature, too. Well, this is just a few of the gadgets. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Joining us now, Steve Mailer. Well, Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, thank you guys. We have a really interesting guest today, someone 
that um, I came across on something called Facebook Watch, which uh, is a streaming service I hadn't really quite heard of before, but has some really interesting programming. He's a wonderful actor, does a lot of voice characterizations by the name of David Sheftel. David, thank you so much for joining me today on User Friendly. Stephen, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, you are, you've got an amazing resume. I mean, you, oh, you're, you. you're, you're kind of all over the map in terms of things that you do. And you are a, a character as part of a, um, what they refer to as an experimental competition reality show on Facebook Watch which has become amazingly popular called Rival Peak. I am. And, you know, I, I can't tell you what a pleasure it's been to be part of it. It's it's part game. It's kind of like, best way I can describe it is think of a, a game that people can play like The Sims, where each of our characters uh, interact and you get to vote on what they do. Yeah. And they rack up points. And it's kind <laughs> of like in the style of Lost or uh, Survivor. So there's weird stuff going on on the mountain of Rival Peak. And at every at the end of every week, uh, Will Wheaton, who's the host of yes. the after show mm -hmm. called Rival Speak, uh, he interacts with our characters and we find out who gets voted off the mountain. Very, very Survivor, but very Lost because there are <laughs> strange sort of things. It might be aliens. It might be the government. A polar bear might show up. We don't know. So it's it's pretty cool. And you, you play a character, a character called Sub. Yeah, so his uh, given name is Christopher, but he's an Australian larrikin who uh, he got very spiritual and he was given the spiritual name Saban, which actually means soap. So they call oh. him Soap Man. <laughs> well, he, okay, well, he, he must be very clean then. On the, the Will Wheaton portion, that, that's a live action aspect of what you guys are doing? That is. So our characters who are still in character uh, you know, as, uh, as their sims uh, interact with Will Wheaton as the host of Rival Speak. And uh, all 12 episodes are up on Facebook Watch right now. We have over you know, 15 million views on everything. The final episode uh, is uh, got close to 20 million views. Wow. So we're really excited with it. It's been that awesome. Is, I mean, that is a huge audience reach. It really, really is. And I don't want to spoil who won. But let's just say I'm very happy with the outcome. <laughs> I see. Well, very good. So now what kind of involvement is that? So is that a, that's an ongoing involvement with Rival Peak? You know, we're hoping for a season two, but we just finished okay. our first season of, of the 12-week run, which has been amazing. And as I said, we've gotten a lot of great feedback from the fans. Amazing. So fun. Well, congratulations on that for, you know, to begin with. And an, an, another project that kind of piqued my interest, because I'm a horror movie buff. I love, mm -hmm. you know, creepy horror movies. And I found one that you're involved with or that you were involved with called Willie's Wonderland. I am, yeah. Now so that's... Willie's Wonderland just came out in February. And what a, what a roller coaster that was. That was a blast. Well, roller coaster is a very interesting term considering that Willie's Wonderland, it looks like it takes place at an, an abandoned fun house, like a carnival fun house. Very similar to a haunted Chuck E. Cheese is the best way I can describe it. So think, think of those wonderful animatronics from your youth and think of them trying to kill you. And, and you played in this with Nicolas Cage. I did, which was a dream come true. He's an amazing, amazing actor and performer and, and collaborator to work with. It was so much fun. What, what was your part in this movie? So I got to play uh, Sheriff Deputy Evan Olson, who's a very happy-go-lucky. He's brought in for the night by the sheriff of the town as backup. 
And what we think is going to be a very easy, quiet evening turns into mayhem very quickly. <laughs> so I get thrown into a wild Ooh. world I didn't even know existed. Well, I saw the trailer for this, and it looked very, very creepy. And yeah, and, and it I is. yeah, and and you mentioned you mentioned that it was um, recently available. I think the date that I saw was February twenty first was its release, and that it's it's actually available on demand. Um, it's, I don't, on, it's available on demand right now, and uh, yeah, we've gotten some great reviews, and it was it was a lot a lot of fun. And yeah, it's creepy, but it's funny, and it really sort of harkens back to that old classic cult classic horror style film you know one of the producers grant kramer he he was in uh killer clowns from outer space okay. so I think it's got a very similar feel to that you know i was gonna say it it, it seems to pay homage to that because a lot mm -hmm. of the characters that you saw that cage is interacting with are these animatronic really creepy looking things that you find in a fun house very clownish um very made up but uh yeah creepy um I didn't necessarily see a lot of uh, comedic elements to it, but it, it is described as kind of a horror comedy. It is, yeah. There's definitely funny moments in there, so I think you'll you'll get scared, you'll scream, you'll laugh, you'll have a really good time. So I hope people continue to see it. When when did you guys do principal photography on that? So uh, strangely enough, we did it a, over a year ago now, and I think our final uh, shoot date was on February 28th or 29th, and we. We finished uh, shooting and then flew back home and everything went into lockdown. So right yeah. before the pandemic. Okay. So if like February 2020. Yep, exactly. Wow. Well, I'm going to have to check that out because it's it's the kind of movie that I would think I would enjoy anyway. And now with your involvement and Mr. Cage's involvement, I have another reason to be curious about the project. So, oh, I really appreciate so that. Very, very good. Now, according to your your Facebook page, You've done work in a lot of really mainstream entertainment work, American Dad, The Cleveland Show, Family Guy. I mean, so you are you do a lot of voice acting. So, yeah, I've been lucky enough to boo, do, be both on camera and do voice acting. I do love voice acting. And, you know, being on Family Guy, American Dad, Cleveland Show, that's a dream come true because I'm such a fan of those shows before I got to work on them. Wow. So I've been very, very fortunate and very lucky. And the casting director, Linda Lamontagne, she gave me that as my first job and uh, helped me with my career. So she helped launch me into voiceover. So I, I owe my career to Linda Lamontagne. That's one of the top, top casting directors. That is fantastic. Well, I mean, with us, hopefully, coming out of the pandemic, um, I'm going to guess you're just going to get busier. Uh, uh, that is the hope. So I've been, I've been pretty busy and lucky. You know, I've, I've got my microphone at home, so doing auditions and, and recording all of Rival Peak uh, from home is, is what I've been doing. But wow. I do love interacting with the other actors and getting to be in a studio together. So hopefully that's, that's what gets to happen in the not-too-distant not future. Not-too-distant future, absolutely. Well, you know, what's interesting is that the, um, the pandemic, as kind of an ugly or interesting side effect, is that it, it has opened up doors and ability and opportunities for people to do a lot of voiceover work, especially if you have your own equipment or some kind of setup that's just 24 hours, seven days a week available to you. It's actually kind of created new opportunities for people. 100%. Yeah, it's really, you know, if, it, if you're looking for silver linings and things, it has really opened up a lot of opportunities. What we thought, you know, was going to 
maybe kill our industry in some ways has really opened it up and people are, you know, starved for entertainment and yeah. content. And I think that's given a lot of opportunity to create and get things made, which awesome. has been fantastic. Well, you, you certainly seem to be the right guy to help provide that entertainment. Well, David Sheftel, it's been a pleasure getting to know you and talking with you here on User Friendly. We're going to follow up with you because I think you're going to get, continue to be very busy and I appreciate you being with us today. I can't wait, and thank you so much for having me. I you're, really appreciate you're it. You're welcome, sir. It's been a pleasure. Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, guys, take it back to you. Steve, as always, thank you. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. Great show this week. You know, I, it's a lot of fun to hear about the history and talking about that whole thing with the theater and Star Wars and all of that. And I think that to date, that is probably the longest run uh, primary release movie that I've ever heard of over a year. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so it's amazing what contracts can do when you don't think them through. All right. So. You guys are watching a new show that has just come out on streaming. Yeah. And what is it and where is it and what do you think of it? Okay. It's on Disney Plus and it's from the Marvel Studios, kind of like uh, it's uh, it's like the next WandaVision. Okay. Except this one is The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. All right. So and the Winter Soldier is uh, Sebastian Stan and uh, The Falcon is played by Anthony Mackie. Now, these it's are a continuation, basically, of all the Marvel Universe stuff. Um, you know, at the end of um, Endgame, you know, the Avengers, uh, Captain America got really old, and he handed the, the the shield to the Falcon. You know, it's like, hey, man, you're next. And this happens in the comic books, too. But um, there's different variations on how things go, depending on which comic book thing because they've reset stuff two or three times and at one point it's this and one point it's that but all the characters are still there we still have um john walker who is captain america 2.0 uh we still have the falcon we still have bucky or um white wolf or um winter soldier depending on how you want to look at it and everybody who knows uh who john walker is this uh, is gonna be fun yeah yep Oh, and and I was and I'm I don't know anything about this stuff, and I'm just totally enjoying it. Um, you, you know, the actors are doing a great job, and it feels like you're watching the movie. It's just lasting longer. <laughs> it's really cool. So it's this been is, fun. This is an ongoing thing with episodes, right? Yes. Yeah, and I, it's probably going to be like eight or nine episodes, like what they did with Wandavision. But it's been really fun. Okay. All right. No, that sounds really cool, and it's something worth checking out. Okay, so Disney Plus, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, this is ongoing, and they raised their rates, I think, about $10 a year about a week ago. So they oh, do good. have to keep coming out with new content to be able to justify that, although they've got a lot of subscribers. That has grown, I know, a lot faster than what was anticipated in some, some camps. So that's kind of cool. And uh, if you have it, go ahead and check it out. Let us know what you think of it. And, you know, with stuff like that, that's how we do our programming. Send us your questions and your comments. What have you seen on streaming media? Is there anything new that you'd like that you'd like us to talk about? Anything you'd suggest? 
Give us a call, 503-766-6264. One user-friendly on Facebook and Twitter. That's how we get our programming. And until next week, this is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2021, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by wearetechnology.com. Podcasts available at userfriendlynation.com, theanswerportland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.